This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Tonight, a minute of silence. <laughs> did anyone die this week? Like, do we have to leave oh. a minute of silence for anybody? No, don't say so Prince Philip, I don't care. Um, hello and welcome to Primal Screen, a triple R film criticism show and podcast. I'm your host, Paul Anthony Nelson, and in the actual studio, I'm joined as ever by uh, co-host slash panellist Flick Ford. Hello. I'm sorry about that. That was not a great opener. <laughs> It's all right, we'll get it back. Uh, I review films better than I panel. <laughs> you're, you're new, you're doing great. Look, you know, we can make up a one goal deficit. It's easy. Um, and joining us, as this is why we're trying to put on a good impression, for, is our very special guest co host, animator Kelsey Pettifer. Thank you for having me, Paul and Flick. It's Aww. so great to be here. Welcome. <laughs> Lovely to have you with us. Thank you. So why do we have an animator joining us, I hear you ask? That's because tonight we are doing a special Retro Spotlight episode where we shine... You know, the kind of Spotlight episodes where we shine a light on actors, directors, locations, genres, or subgenres that we love. But tonight is our first ever Spotlight on a studio, I believe. Yeah, I think it is. Mm. And that's right. We'll be shining a particular kind of Spotlight, a little hopping desk lamp named <laughs> Duck Luxo Jr. on the films of Pixar Animation Studios. Now, just before we jump into the show, it's incumbent to remind you all that it's April Amnesty here at Triple R, our second biggest subscription drive of the year besides Radiothon, where we remind you that uh, remind you all that it is you, our subscribers, who fund our station and keep us going. We are completely independent, a home for voices diverse, adventurous, or just plain quirky. And the only way we're able to do that is due to the fine people, pets, businesses, and organizations who subscribe to Triple R each year. Obviously, our subscriber base took a massive torpedo to the hull during 2020's COVID lockdowns, but we're crawling our way back. Radiothon was successful, but we're still a long way away from full power. So if you'd like to help the good ship Triple R sail proudly for many years to come, <laughs> I don't know where this nautical thing Yeah, I know. You really, love you really shifted gears. <laughs> oh, changed tap? Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, head to rrr.org.au now and follow the links to subscribe or donate. <laughs> there was an opportunity for, there for you to say it like a pirate, Paul, and stick with the article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pirate name of this station, I'm sure. <laughs> But that is not all. If you subscribe during April Amnesty, you can go in the running for all sorts of awesome prizes, oh, which yeah. are all behind me on the wall. Like, can't yeah, see. there's a whole heap. Um, Anything movie related? Yes, mm. there are. Oh my god, there's so many. Oh, Melbourne International Film Festival. 
There you go. There's that. That's pretty cool. Um, very film related. That's the thing that's happening. Um, What's the this, prize? Well, oh, well, like two two winners receive a hundred dollar voucher. There it is. Spend. Um, oh, there's so much. I'm actually struggling. That's all right. No, Melbourne no, Writers got... Festival. That's kind of film adjacent. You know, you yeah. Can go for a film adaptation. That's um, true. Oh, there's heaps. Look, go on the website. Check it out. I, I can't. I can't be doing all the Comedy Republic. That sounds pretty cool. I'm now. I'm just reading our things. Fantastic. <laughs> it's riveting radio. There's a lot on the no, way. but there there's, is, this thing's all sorts of cool things you can win. Books and movies and comedy and, and crazy things. So um, Olives. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Year supply. <laughs> Holy what? smoke. So there you go. So head to rrr.org.au now to, uh, to subscribe during April Amnesty. So before we get, uh, jump into the films, let's just get a little overview of Pixar. A company whose first feature, Toy Story, was re- released 25 years ago last November. Oh, my God. Is yep. that old? Oh, that's crazy, right? <laughs> we only missed the anniversary by, by about four months, five months. That's good. Um, whose first short as Pixar, the aforementioned Luxo Jr., was released 35 years ago this February, the same year they took on the Pixar name. The studio's beginnings can be traced back to, to 1974 and the New York Institute of Technology, where its founder, um, the New York Institute of Technology's founder, Alexander Schur, and animators Edwin Catmill, Malcolm Blanchard, Elvie Ray Smith, and David DeFrancesco created the Computer Graphics Lab, uh, whose driving aim was to comp- create the world's first computer animated film. After realising they needed a few more resources, like an actual film studio, <laughs> they met with none other, two nobodies, named Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas. Uh, soon, a few of the members broke away and found themselves forming the similarly named Graphics Group under the soon-to-be boundless resources of Lucasfilm. They worked on a few experimental films, never producing much more than a few frames, while developing an innovative, re- Im- an innovative image rendering application programming interface, soon to be named RenderMan, something which has developed to power Pixar's films and many more to this very day. While attempting to crack the code of making a fully gen- computer-generated short, the graphics group team worked with Lucasfilm's visual effects unit, Industrial Light and Magic, to create the Genesis effect in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and the Stained Glass Knight in Young Sherlock Holmes. But after a costly divorce saw George Lucas having to jettison units of his empire, see what I did there? <laughs> the only way to save the company was for the graphics group to break off into an independent company, which they did in 1986 with the financial backing of some other nobody named Steve Jobs, calling the company Pixar after the catchy name they created for their newest digital compositing computer system. But to be a company without any feature films forthcoming, the tech was still some time away, their main business model became the Pixar Image Computer, a computer system geared towards high-level processing environments like medicine, science and government. Now, two years before all this, in 1984, they created their first computer animated short, The Adventures of Alvy Ray and Wally B., the head animator on which was a new hire named John Lasseter, who would later become the company's creative director. Their first short as Pixar was the Lasseter-directed Luxo Jr. in 86, but with years of non-profit shorts to follow and the Pixar image computer suffering from falling sales, Pixar was staring down bankruptcy in the early 1990s, having to offload its hardware department, release the rendering tools they developed on the open market, and seeing Steve Jobs take entire financial control of the company, he considered selling it, um, but it was only when Toy St- the, the early critical buzz on Toy Story was so positive and that the um, and Walt Disney Pictures agreed to release it for Christmas, um, a month for the Christmas season, that Steve Jobs hold, held his nerve and decided not to sell off Pixar just yet. Needless to say, the rest is history. 23 feature films, 20 Oscars, 
14 billion US dollars in worldwide box office, 11 Grammy Awards, and 15 of the 50 highest grossing animated films of all time. And how many childhood memories, Paul? How many childhood <laughs> Countless childhood memories and priceless. Uh, Pixar have revolutionised big budget Hollywood studio animation more than anyone since Walt Disney and are perhaps rivaled globally only by Japan's Studio Ghibli. Pixar became famous for their attention to detail and storytelling, spending years breaking stories down and apart, even shooting in t- reshooting entire films if the results weren't to the team's satisfaction, which is what happened with the 1999's Toy Story 2. Their films are driven by self, often driven by self-actualization, often featuring a protagonist heading out to the real world and learning how to better appreciate their family and/or friends. Um, they love an Easter egg putting tiny details of characters and situations from previous or even future films into each movie, as well as layering in deep-cut references to classic non-Pixar movies. The actor John Ratzenberger, best known as know-it-all Cliff Clavin in the long-running sitcom Cheers and the voice of Pig Moneybox Ham in the Toy Story films, <laughs> is the company's so-called good luck charm and has a voice in every Pixar feature up until Soul, which briefly features a character drawn in his, uh, designed in his likeness. And after Toy Story 2 and 3 were huge hits, they finally acquiesced to the market and started developing some of their hits as film franchises, with two cast sequels, sequels to Finding Nemo and The Incredibles, and a prequel to Monsters, Inc., as well as TV and short film spin-offs. It's impossible to turn your head or have a conversation nowadays without something from Pixar's films being directly or indirectly quoted. Their cultural footprint is gargantuan. Their consistency of attention to quality legendary, particularly their 11-film streak from 1995 to 2010 bookended by the first and third Toy Story films. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's, which saw, I, just... <laughs> I was going to say, which saw them attain a run of critical, commercial, and cultural dominance unmatched by any Hollywood entity for decades. So, Flick, <laughs> Kelsey, yes. what does Pixar mean to you? Oh, oh amazing. You go first, Kelsey. Sure. Uh, so, God, I feel like it really shaped how I think of, you know, um, my toys, like <laughs> pretty much everything. I feel like it really, there's always an aspect of sort of magic and, you know, a, an innocence that I feel I've gotten from uh, Pixar films. I mean, it, they've been so pivotal in ch- like ch- childhoods. Yeah. And I just think, God, like I cannot imagine how or where I would be personally without them having been pursuing animation for so long. Like pivotal, absolutely yeah. amazing. So, yeah, I'm, and the fact that they are just, they strive constantly to achieve at the time when Toy Story came out, they hadn't yet, they were the first CG animation. Mm. So the fact that they're just constantly striving to, you know, Pa- uh, pave the new ground that hasn't yet been laid. I think it's, yeah, really inspiring. So I, I, I constantly draw inspiration from them for from all creative aspects. Yeah, I have I have that same really close personal connection to the films as well, mm. like so many people do. But I think that when I then later went to film school and learnt all of the technicality behind it. I had this newfound admiration Mm. for these films that I knew as a child were great, but it's just nice to have that, you know, to look into all the, not only the CGI, but also just like the storytelling and the artful Mm. cinema making. I mean, it's really... It's amazing the detail that they've put into it. Every single thing has gone like 
with thought and mm. with purpose. It's there with intent. And I, yeah, I love that about it. It's so, <laughs> so good. It's going to be a real love in. Yeah. Think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so exciting. Well, I, I, I hate Pixar. No. <laughs> oh my, get <laughs> out. Persona non grata. That's, how, that's why I put you on mute. This <laughs> I can sense it. <laughs> and I will, I will do that if I hear a negative word. <laughs> oh man, this is putting power in the hands of me. Yeah. Um, remember, remember, Remember Lotso Bear. Just remember what happened. Oh, God. Power in the- Watch out. Uh, lots of hugging. Um, <laughs> now, listeners, please join us on the, uh, on the couch uh, for our first film. Sorry. Howdy. My name is Woody, and this is Andy's room. That's all I wanted to say. And also, there has been a bit of a mix-up. This is my spot see the bed here local law enforcement it's about time you got here i'm buzz lightyear space ranger universe protection unit my ship has crash landed here by mistake toy story was the debut animated feature directed by john lasseter in a world where anthropomorphic toys come to life when humans are not present a pull string cowboy toy named woody seems to have it all He's the unofficial leader of Andy's toy room, has a budding romance with a Bo Peep doll, and most importantly, he is Andy's favourite toy. But when Andy's birthday arrives, so does a new toy, Buzz Lightyear, a special feature-laden Space Ranger action figure who instantly delights Andy, wins over the room of toys, and terrifies Woody. Are Woody's days as Andy's favourite toy numbered, seeing him bound for the next garage sale? So, Kelsey... Toy Story, uh, the OG mm-hmm. Pixar picture, <laughs> was your choice for this evening. Yeah. What is it about Toy Story that has your name scrawled in texture under its foot? Oh, good one. Um, well, I just felt like we absolutely had to discuss it. You can't really discuss Pixar without Toy Story. It's um, it's the beginning. It's an incredible movie. But it's also just, you know, got some really nice messages in it that aren't overly you know confronting it is a child's film but I feel like on that level there's just so many things that adults can draw from it I don't know about you guys but I was watching it absolutely cackling myself (laughs) there's just some moments in here that are so well done and I I think they hold up and can be compared with films that are being produced today like even though they're 25 no 25 25 yeah Yeah. Yeah. gosh um (laughs) whoa (laughs) just yeah they're they're old but uh inevitably has like has not aged and i think that's so amazing um but also it it uh, it asks some questions that are quite philosophical Hmm. such as who am i the fear of being replaced is a pretty big theme Hmm. as well i think we can all kind of understand that feeling and and for me personally I just I love seeing Woody as sort of the character he kind of harnesses this jealousy and you know (laughs) but at the same time it's a buddy comedy it's about these two friends that kind of you know that don't start off as best (laughs) buds but they work they get there they surpass difficulties and I just yeah everything about this film I love uh, there are a few issues on the technical side <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> some of the like that the, that dog oh, and God, those people the are hard now hard. yeah look Scud he's Sc- not great but like also some of the humanoids like Sid I yeah. feel like mm. yeah it's not great is it not great but it's you know got that p- bendy look to his face yeah. you know, <laughs> terrifying he's a t- yeah. yeah um but yeah apart from that I think flawless yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting 
isn't it, when you think about the um, – obviously, yeah, the, the Pixar has come a long way from, from Toy Story. And, like, yeah, watch, re-watching it, you're like, okay. And especially when you watch more Definitely. recent ones and yeah. you compare it, you're like, okay. <laughs> it's kind of beautiful, though, in its own way because you see that graduation to, mm. to more technical um, styles and, and the finesse that comes with it. I, I agree, though, with, like, the thing that I think I love most about Toy Story is the fact that it is a buddy film mm. and there's, it's a buddy comedy and I think good comedy actually is timeless and mm. that is what mm. makes this film so long-lasting. Good characters are timeless. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and yeah. the storytelling is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have definitely, like, obviously watching as a, as a kid, I was kind of just, like, swept up in it and, you know, loved it at the time mm. and saw it with my family. But watching Toy Story as an adult, I'm just I, – I love all of the little banter between the characters and just little, like, visual comedy, the um, slapstick in it. Absolutely. There's the, one of the, my favourite scenes is when they're chasing the truck and there's just so <laughs> much physical comedy. I, I giggle every time I watch it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a real joy to watch that. And I think that that is really artful and it's difficult to execute and especially difficult in animation mm. when it's, like, otherwise quite a slow process mm. and, and painful painstakingly slow um the thing i i really love about toy story though is this like rebellious edge to it at the core Mm. you know like woody is not perfect and this Mm. idea of him you know a lot of disney prior to that had had all these like kind of very clear characters as you know and even you know lion king and stuff like that it's pretty clear who you know the good good guy bad guy Mm. is and you know buzz is originally presented as a villain of sorts you know he's invading the territory but he's also like the main character you know he's got all these flashing you know wings and lights and all these kind of awesome all this awesome technology and and Woody is this like you know man from the west you know the wild mm. west yeah. and I I kind of love that the film I'm saying this totally as a film nerd but <laughs> I love the fact that there's that layering of on a on a narrative level that they're talking about this technological shift mm. of of bringing in these new these new concepts of and it was the first time in which um there was this moving background within a f- first feature film where they had this like moving background mm. um it's really quite exceptional obviously you know dated but yeah and also <laughs> the first film to be nominated for um for uh, Academy Award which is Amazing. The first, uh, uh, first animated film in Oscar history to be nominated for a best screenplay. Sorry. Ah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Of course. Sorry. Yeah. A few years earlier, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like I love the fact that there's yeah. that real respect for the medium mm. to be like we're not going to just put out a kids film. We're going to make a mm. film that. Definitely. You know, you don't need to be a kid to watch. You don't even bring a kid with you to the cinema. You can just enjoy this film. Yeah. I think that's its real strength. I actually noticed Joss Whedon's credit as a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's amazing. That was pre-Buffy too. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly his finest work. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was actually, I should say it's between Buffy's because it was after the Buffy movie but before the Buffy series. Um, Might be his finest work. Um, The... It's um, yeah, that's a great point about it being about a technology. Someone threatened by a technological innovation when Pixar is a technological <laughs> innovation. It's almost like Woody is Disney. Yeah, uh, and it's it's this kind of um, great uh, dynamic. It's tough to look at this film through new eyes, given its seismic mm, effect on the culture. Yeah. Like it's. But it's it's so – I mean, I think it's as wildly entertaining as it was when it was released and I did see it in the cinemas uh, when it was originally released. Um, and it's that thing you were saying, Flick, like Pixar came to play from day one. 
They were like, we're not going to... It was interesting because DreamWorks started around, like, it started making features at around the same time mm. and it was always this kind of... And, and they just seem to have very different remits. Like, it's funny, like, DreamWorks was run by Katzenberg, who was a guy from Disney, and it was like, it seemed to be all about pop culture moments and trying to... And it's really cheap and so many... Almost every Dream, DreamWorks animated film has aged. Yeah. Visibly. Yeah. I feel bad for DreamWorks. Yeah. <laughs> and yet... And yet these uh, these guys is just there's something about their attention to character to story mm, to really yeah. just baking in and it's and again we've heard all about how much how hard on storytelling they are mm. but it's also the universality of it don't you think yeah, like you were saying before Kelsey about like the subject matter that's covered but mm. some of it really when you think about it has these larger narratives of like Flawed characters, mm. loneliness, isolation. Mm. Like, yeah. it all kind of comes out and loss and grieving. Yeah, mm. not afraid to be sad. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. at all. Um, and th- th- that's the thing. I think it's part of why their films endure as well as, yeah, that they, they, they don't have stock character tropes. They really dig in and, and mm. create these people um, through behaviour and, mm. and small gestures. Uh, this does have references, but it's to things like past toys and toy companies, and they're all saying something, or at the very <laughs> least, they're just amusingly clever. Um, you know, like this Mr. Spell, like the Speak and Spell Machine, like you constantly, it's not until you've seen it like a number of times, you start reading what it's saying, like in the background. And really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like awesome. laughing at things or going, oh no, what's this? You know, like having its own reaction, but its that, own dialogue. That's also so aware of how a lot of kids watch films. Like when I was little, mm. I would just rewatch, I would just, well, this is back in the V. HS days. I would Most rewind, mm. rewind, and watch yeah. it again straight yeah. after I'd finished. You know, Mary Poppins. <laughs> Actually, that does bring up a question that I was thinking about on the way here. If Toy Story was made today, would it would it do as well? Like, kids don't seem to be as invested in Toy Story. Uh, is that right? I, I think. I mean, maybe I'm just a softy. I reckon, yeah, that yeah. it would. I, th- okay. I think so. I think there's still enough affection in the culture in general for toys like maybe kids are more attached to their devices Mm, these days mm. but I think I don't know yeah that's an interesting yeah whether this concept yeah the concept yeah yeah that's that's super interesting Mm. um as a tale like I think there's something about this film as a tale of feeling threatened by the new the next the version who's better than you Mm. I think this this aspect resonates perhaps even more deeply today (laughs) Because, as an adult. <laughs> well, yeah, but particularly as this, in our sort of rapidly paced mm. social media inhaling friends' as capital world where everybody's striving to promote the best version of themselves and the voice inside is always screaming, I'm not good enough, mm. with greater volume and frequency than ever. Mm. Like, you know, you're constantly comparing yourself to people and you're constantly seeing people having more fun than you are, people are doing cooler things than you. And, and I, yeah, I feel like something about this theme that you're going to be, re- if you stand still, you're going to be replaced, well, which yeah. of course is not true, but you yeah. feel that so much in our culture and I feel like this film really kind of nails that feeling. Absolutely. And also just that that kind of anxiety around change in general. Mm. You know, that can be so – you can apply that to any situation really. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, as a child Particularly now as we're changing so quickly as well. That feeling is more and more frequent. Mm -hmm. Um, The voice cast are, of course, pitch perfect. (laughs) Um, The story – remember there was a period of time where Tim Allen made good movies? (laughs) Well, he it was, was like in, a five-year period. He was in Home Improvement around this time, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. There's a few references was, to Home Improvement yeah, in this as well. Yeah, <laughs> This was his peak, I would say. So. Well, it was this yeah. sort of – it was this, then the Santa Claus, and then there was like – there was a few years later, like Santa Claus 2 is actually really underrated, I realised. <laughs> I'd never seen it until last year. 
Um, and then uh, before that was Galaxy Quest, which is great. And I was oh like, yeah, there was this, this five-year period where he's like, he made good stuff, and then that ended really abruptly. Um, but yeah, the, the voice cast are all pitch perfect. Mm. The story and characters are fun and frivolous, but all, also imbued with heart. And the secret life of toys concept that they value themselves by how much they're played with and how mm. much they're loved is brilliant. Isn't but, that heartbreaking? Oh, my oh, God. So oh, great. That scene with Buzz watching his ad mm. oh. tore me apart, like yeah. literally devastating. <laughs> It's it's tragic and yeah. and that whole thing of, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's gone out of my head. Um, but um, you had a big butt I, coming. I had a thought. <laughs> no, this is the butt. But the idea. This is the thing I think is really genius. The idea of building the first computer animated feature around the easiest material for the animation to imitate. Yeah, plastic. <laughs> Absolutely is genius. It is amazing. Mm. Like, couldn't have done any. Like, chosen a better subject. Exactly. Yeah. It's like because you know, hair was a problem, and as we've seen, yep. dogs are a problem, Clothing and clothing's. And... and it's like, but plastic, it can do perfectly. Yeah. And so it's like, what's plastic? Like, <laughs> it had to come up at some point in some story oh, meeting. Definitely. Um. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's still an argument to be had that besides the now dated animation, um, this <laughs> might it could still be the best of the series. I personally lean towards three, but. This film will oh, always. That's dark. Have I don't a know about you it. can't have three without one, though, Paul. No, you can't. That's <laughs> uh, deep, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> so, Toy Story is now available to stream on Disney Plus or rent or buy via YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. You're listening to Promo Screen on Triple R. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Flick Ford, our special guest, animator Kelsey Pettifer, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. Nudge, please join us in the hover chairs of the Axiom, where there's no need to walk, <laughs> for our second film. Name? <laughs> Wally from 2008 <laughs> was the second animated feature directed by Andrew Stanton. Wally, or short for Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class, is the last robot of his kind, or any kind, left on an Earth overwhelmed by garbage and bereft of humans who took off to outer space 700 years earlier. Left behind to clean up the mess, Wally spends his days tidying up the planet, one compacted box of garbage at a time. But during these last seven centuries of isolation, Wally has delivered has developed a personality, and he's more than a little lonely, spending his days collecting objects of beauty and fascination and watching an old tape of Hello Dolly on repeat. But one day, a huge spaceship lands, depositing Eve, a sleek robot probe, sent back to Earth on a scanning mission. Wally is immediately smitten, and he and Eve manage to strike up a friendship. But when Eve finds what she's been sent to look for, Wally embarks on his greatest adventure yet, when he follows her across the galaxy to the Axiom, the mothership, holding what's left of the human race. Flick, as this was your pick for the evening, <laughs> what makes you want to hold hands and watch Hello Dolly with Wally? <laughs> well, that bloody audio clip was so sweet. Like, I think <laughs> just melted my heart just there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because the idea of just, like, wandering around collecting bits of trash and watching Helly, Hello Dolly on repeat is not that dissimilar <laughs> to, a, I feel like, how I spent lockdown so <laughs> hard relate <laughs> um no look this is i <laughs> i just love this film i think 
Uh, that opening scene, honestly, is perfection. Hmm. Um, it's basically got this uh, kineticism of silent cinema to it where you're just watching this masterful animation and storytelling again, but purely in visual and oral terms. It's just Perfect cinema in my mind. Um, I do just want to flag two issues just straight off the bat that I think are, are really um, important to mention and especially um, I think it's one of those things that as the film has, you know, it's been around since what? 2008. Yeah. It's had enough time to kind of mature and there's definitely a lot more literacy and awareness um, around these issues. So just to flag it from the beginning, it has been um, criticised for being really fat phobic. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, I suppose the... You know, it's one of those things where this equation, equating, sorry, um, bigger bodies with this kind of like morally bankrupt um, world has has kind of obviously raised a lot of, um, you know, criticism from from reviewers and from from people more generally from, um, yeah. And I suppose that's just something that I think about a lot about the screen representations of larger bodies and can actually do a huge amount more um, health risks than the actual idea of like mm. being in a larger body is necessarily going to be worse for your health, you know, health at every size. So I think that like that's something that just want to flag at the start and also in line with that might also get read as a bit ableist. You know, this idea of, you know, something that's been pointed out is that the film presents assistive technologies in this really negative light and, you know, for so many people with disabilities, you know, assistive technologies allow for them to move around in the world and lead relatively normal lives. So I just think that's something to um, <laughs> to flag straight off the bat. Having said that, and it's not to take away from those criticisms, which I agree with, I just feel like this film is a perfect case study in how you can use sound to create space. Like the whole idea is that, you know, how it maps onto this world Mm. and takes us with it and creates. I love that, you know, that little interaction between Eve and Wally, uh, Eva and Wally. It's just like, it's beautiful. You get so much emotion from it and it's all through these like really robotic sounds and um, I just think there's so much romance to this film and that, that, you know, finding someone that you have a connection with and that sense of loneliness, but it's just, it's stunning. And the voices, um, there was something crazy like they created a library of 2,400 sounds for Wally um, and that is the largest number of all of um, his films by far um, for for um, Ben Burt. So, um, and yeah, Ben Burt, of course, was the sound supposed yeah, to Star sorry. Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they've got like electric toothbrush, um, a shopping cart thing together, a Nikon camera shutter. There's this real um, romance around sound and I think that sound is so, for me, sound is so closely coupled with cinema. It's something I really love in my own research but I also just I think there's just this beautiful storytelling that comes through um whereas Toy Story that you know we opened the show with Toy Story and I think that the storytelling there is really in character development and narrative arc you know Wally obviously has that but I think that for me this is um a slightly more nuanced film in the storytelling because it's doing it in a in a non- um, verbal way. Yep. It's going. It's deciding to show it visually. It's it's through all of these little sounds and beeps and um, I don't know it's quite a grad. It's quite a 
beautifully slow film in some ways. He has been the there for about 700 years. <laughs> yeah. So he's been waiting a while. Yeah. True, true. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. And apparently Wally was, I read somewhere, it was actually modelled off an inkjet printer. So oh, yeah. very. Oh. how you actually give an inkjet <laughs> printer that much personality <laughs> is amazing. So... They've done such a good job here. And apparently they also got a um, cinematographer, Roger Deakins, who did Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner. Um, 1917. No Country for Old Men. Mm. So many good ones. So they really wanted the... um, you know, the effects of the film to feel like it was being shot on a real camera. And I think that, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but there was quite often a shift in focus. Yes. Yeah. And there was just so many techniques that are that, so effective. That thing that was very popular in the mid-2000s on shows like The Shield and Frank Darabont's The mm. Mist does it, that thing where you, you're almost like the camera's trying to pick something up and then it, like, pushes in on something when it finds yes. it. Yes. Wally does it. that quite a bit. Yeah. 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 And that's how the whole thing of creating a life to in an inanimate object Mm. otherwise or or something that we read as inanimate Mm. and then just creating this beautiful kineticism to it and texture Mm. oh yeah it was so well done i i yeah apparently they were tossing up whether or not to give wally elbows that was the big thing (laughs) but they didn't so it's literally because they wanted the the wally to appear functional he he had a purpose mm. and as soon as you give him elbows it looks a little like they've done that for convenience it becomes very much like um it, it becomes easier i think yeah. it's such a challenge to do what they've done they've nothing is uh, they've done it so you know it's it's all skill? feasible and isn't that the skill of pixar at its center like it if you think about it like the very icon of the lamp i mean the lamp mm-hmm. is such an ordinary object yeah, and then lamp. to give it this little narrative and movement and yeah, yeah everything's yeah. such character like i was saying mm. with toy story through small gestures and mm. like through movement yeah and, yeah and gesture. it's like yeah there's something i'll talk about in a minute and i'll try to do it without <laughs> crying <but. laughs> um yeah no i i love wally honestly like to think um the relationship between eva and wally and just the amazing sort of like how did he end up in space i'm still blown away by that it's <laughs> so amazing <laughs> oh and the cockroach of course yeah. the cockroach yeah. has so much personality <laughs> and i've never liked a cockroach so much like <laughs> it's wonderful such a such a cool dude so yeah um I loved it. Um, I'm not sure if you'd mentioned this, Paul, but they had quite a few homages to Apple. Yeah. Which was so nice. I kind of like that little, like, tip to the hat to um, Steve Jobs, which yeah. is lovely. Is um, that the, is, uh, oh, I, I, I own a Mac, but the thing is I've got it running all the time. I hardly ever turn it off. So, but that boot-up noise, whenever he goes, the, whenever yeah. it gets full of uh, solar energy, boom, like that's the <laughs> Apple yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and also the Mac-to-talk voice, that's yes. the voice of the autopilot, yes. is, uh, is uh, yeah, it was, a, it was the voice of the Mac computer. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I do really love that throughout the Pixar films there's a real acknowledgement of people's strengths and like there's a real acknowledgement of the teamwork side of it yeah. so i'm gonna get so sappy over this but i really love that how they take mm. turns with directing and there's you know they it's all part of the same pixar family but yeah. there's this idea of okay the next person is going to and the other people will work as either co-writers or co-directors mm. and, or just in the story room yeah. Inter- yeah. interrogating each other's stories yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean pixar has their own brain trust don't mm. they it's literally yeah, yeah they've really <laughs> thought about it and i think it's it shows that their, their hard work and 
dedication to the story. About, Absolutely. About the animation too, like that mm. first act. And, and I think, I don't know, like I think this, this shares something in common with another Pixar film um, of being up where they're both, um, I think Wally's a better film overall, mm-hmm. but they both have incredible opening acts that just make me like t- tears stream down my face. Mm. And like obviously with Up, it's the whole situation with the old man and his wife and, mm. and that sort of thing. But this, like um, I will say too that the the animation in the first half hour, it looks the closest to a live action yeah, Pixar film has ever made because there's yeah. no people and Wally is made out of metal. Like everything mm. looks completely realistic. Absolutely. Until Eva arrives. And they've got artifacts on the lenses as well. Yes. They're just, oh, it's, yeah. It's so beautiful. It's but, so beautiful. But there's something, the thing with me and Wally, it's his little eyes, but it's those little hands. <laughs> oh, I know. And, and, <laughs> and it just, yeah, like I. Can we actually talk about these films without gushing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Possible. <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't think it is. Like. It's, yeah, I feel, I felt watching it this time, I felt really connected to Wally in a really interesting way that I just made me cry constantly for the first half. And it's like, you know, I'm not a lonely person on a planet. Like, you know, I have a lovely, you know, I, I have a, I have a, a lovely long-term a relationship. Life. I have a full life. I have a career. I have made stuff and done stuff. But there's just something about Wally. And I think it's just that he's so sweet. Yes. And, and just... Finding beauty in all of these fuck yeah. effed up objects, yeah. and, it's, and it's it's yeah, really it's kind of like a pretty heartbreaking environmental film, really. Yeah, as well. Thinking it's a warning, and that's mm. the thing. I see. I would actually some of it. I would some of those criticisms you leveled at the start. I'd push back a little against. Like I think that's a very. I think you could look at that and go, yeah, that's what it's saying. But it, I think it's more that it, it's more that it's just like th- that's something that is commonly come up. If you look up Wally, you know, like but, they but I think a, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that. it's a reductive reading because it's like because they actually explain it it's like it's the fact that the the bodies haven't been doing anything over the years and the bones have actually shrunk and that's why they have trouble standing like it's an actual evolution the the, yeah the thing that i've heard in response to it is that it actually is meant to be a return to babies so they're meant to be a returning like a yeah but I see both sides. I think it uh, it doesn't take away from no. my love of it. I just think it's good to sort yeah. of be like the main, you know, for for a lot of criticism against it is that. Mm. So and and mm. same with the assisted living thing. Like I like I don't know if that's like I think you know obviously that's in, those things are incredibly important to people and motorized thing. I think it's the fact that I think what the film is saying is more the fact that these people actually have no other choice. Mm. That this yeah. is what they've been getting. It's like they're a perfectly healthy mobile person, and it's like here, sit here, drink this, do this, watch this. Yeah, and, yep. and that's all you get to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, like, cause they actually don't, cause when they get off the, the cars, like, oh, what is this? Like, and so they've actually been placed here and, and I think it's more a scathing satire. I think it's missing. Like, I think those things are almost surface level and it's sort of missing the forest for the trees, which is Definitely. its attack on commercialization and yeah. corporations. Yep. Yes. But that can also be debated because this is a film backed by Disney. <laughs> After all, I know, and it's also are. like it's there. It's like a quick little like, don't buy stuff, and then at the end buy all this stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Buy, yeah. Okay. It's very yeah. like I don't blame Pixar because I think Pixar are, 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 are more. I think they're more story driven and, and 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 pure than that. But I yeah, I think you could make the argument that it's being a little dis like it's it's a little <laughs> you know disingenuous coming from Disney. But yeah, I think this is an incredible film. It's a beautiful story. Um, and you know, do I trust humans to rebuild the earth? I'm not sure, but I think that's a lovely, hopeful 
thing to go out on. But yeah, I just I just love Wally the character and Eva Eve and um, the 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 island of misfit robots and it's all really great. <laughs> So Wally is now able to stream on Disney Plus or rental by via YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with our uh, special guest, animator Kelsey Pettifer, Flick Ford, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. Miguel. <gasps> ah! Abuelita, what are you doing here? Um. Leave my grandson alone. Doña, please. I was just getting a shine. I know your tricks, mariachi. What did he say to you? He was just showing me his guitar. <gasps> Shame on you. Uh, my grandson is a sweet little angelito querido cielito. He wants no part of your music, mariachi. You keep away from him. <laughs> Coco was the second animated feature directed by Lee Unkrich and the first from co-director Adrian Molina. Despite his family's generations-old ban on music, Miguel dreams of becoming an accomplished musician like his late idol, Ernesto de la Cruz. Desperate to prove his talent, Miguel steals Ernesto's guitar from the mausoleum where he's buried, which mysteriously lands him in the stunning and colourful land of the dead. Along the way, he meets charming trickster Hector, and together they set off an extraordinary journey to unlock the real story behind Miguel's family history. Kelsey, this was my pick for the evening as it was the most popular Pixar film I'd never seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Were you enchanted by this voyage into the land of the dead? So I hadn't actually seen it either. Um, Me neither. I did. (laughs) Three newbies. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I did like it. I didn't love it. (laughs) <laughs> is that a selfless controversial yeah i just felt <laughs> like one. It, it was it was beautiful 100 percent. everything about it was wonderful uh it looked amazing i really love that they're you know going down a little bit more of a cultural um having cultural shift was fantastic but for some reason i just felt like that adult perspective wasn't there so much and I kind of missed it. And it's totally fine. It's still absolutely watchable and wonderful. But I just feel I wasn't laughing as much as I maybe was in the others. Um, I just wasn't also very invested in um, Miguel's uh, sort of adventure. Maybe too harsh. I'm not sure. But that's (laughs) that's kind of where I was at. (laughs) I I can kind of see where you're coming from. I think I wasn't – I was actually glad that you picked this, Paul, because I hadn't seen it and Mm. I was like, oh, awesome. This is a great excuse to watch this. Um, And I had recently seen Soul. So um, I was kind of in a bit of a Pixar headspace. Can recommend Soul, by the way. Really loved it. And it was one of those films where with Soul I was kind of – and also with Coco – I wasn't actually expecting to like it as much as I did. I feel like most of my, outside of Primal Screen, most of my viewing is like intense European cinema and it's real depressing and it's just <laughs> nice to be like, oh, wow, cute little, mm. you know, true. Pixar film. Yes, yes, so of course. as far as a change of pace, uh, I did really love um, stepping into the world of Coco. I, um, I didn't think that, like on paper, I didn't think I'd really be that invested in this story either. Mm. Um, just cause the, you know, this little boy who's a bit kind of precocious and I don't know, there wasn't any, anything in particular that grabbed me, but I think as it went on, I really loved these kind of 
how the family was presented as this quite fallible and quite complex system um, of different characters and different levels of sort of control and guilt and I don't know, I thought it was actually surprisingly layered for uh, for a kids film. Mm. Um, it is more kid-like in some ways as far as the film goes than the two other films that we've reviewed. I think that it, um, yeah, it has this kind of more lightness to it but and same as you, Kelsey, I was actually really just happy to see a shift in having better representation and the fact that they've actually gone to a lot of effort to, to use the film to, like, talk about cultural holidays and mm. cultural practices and to work that into to the um, the film. I, I don't know. And there's kind of a lot in it. And yeah, death. death. Yes. And, and this is why <laughs> I'm turning this into, like, a soul, soul review. But yes, yes. watch Soul alongside Coco because both deal with death and I think both are really lovely lovely um mm. reflection on death in yeah, quite a they deep kind way. of complement one another yeah. i I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. 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 So, Paul, your pick. Uh, what did you... see Soul, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was delightful. Um, it's this... I thought particularly uh, a bit of... Missed a bit of a trick not seeing this on the big screen because it's kaleidoscopically mm. eye-popping. Mm. The colours and the opening credits alone where they've got yeah. those great things hanging from the things and all the story yeah. happening and oh, um, eye-popping journey into Dia de los Muertos. Um, the, and, uh, like the, and looking at that and music and family and the place these customs and institutions hold in the heart of the Latino culture is really great mm. um you know like i did think oh is this you know is this like culturally on point like his first but you know but there's tons of credits of people they've consulted yeah. and, and, yeah. and adrian molina is the co-director and he's latino so it's like yeah they really dug deep um mm. and again the characters interactions small gestures and emotional beats are as well handled as in any pixar film i think for me though and the reason i like you two um liked it a lot but didn't quite love mm. i think it there's a heavy reliance on very time old hollywood storytelling tropes in the second half it, we get down to there's the obligatory double cross by a redacted <laughs> figure there's mm. a climax taking place at a huge arena in front of thousands the leaving them the camera running trope there's lots of things i felt like i'd seen yeah. before and it's like yeah. it makes this feel structurally cliched despite taking place in a world that non-latin audiences have never seen on screen mm-hmm. like almost never seen on screen before yeah and but i still think it's enormously charming it's gorgeous to look at it's heartwarming in its own way and delivers this eloquent tale of nurturing, remembering and valuing family, no matter how flawed or messed up they are. Um, the, Hard relate. The, the voice cast are terrific and Dante is a bueno, bueno muchacho who deserves all the sausages, pats and scratches. Very true. So where can we watch this wonderful film? We can watch Coco on Disney Plus to stream or rental by via YouTube, iTunes, Google Play and Amazon. You're listening to Primal Screen on... On Triple R. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. You've been listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Flick Ford, Kelsey Pettifer, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. To celebrate their 35th anniversary, we reviewed Toy Story, Wally, and Coco, all of which are available to stream on Disney Plus or rent or buy via YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. You can also subscribe to the Primal Screen podcast via iTunes or wherever else you find your favourite podcast. Next week, we're, uh, we'll take on a trio of new releases that couldn't be any more different. There's a dual Oscar-nominated documentary collective about uh, corruption within the Romanian government following a tragic fire. We have Supernova, a tender drama that sees Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci as a long-term couple facing their past and future as one of them suffers from dementia. And we forgo all dialogue, music and colour to experience the world of a farm with pigs, cows, chickens and their owners in the meditative nature documentary Gunda. 
A huge thank you to Morty Osborne for editing the Primal Screen podcast and to Flick for panelling our show <laughs> tonight. My pleasure, Paul. And for Kelsey for joining us for tonight. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so nice. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 